The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Coast to coast instrumentals. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Portugal. It has been a while. Yes, it has. But Mr. Fernando Santos has called me back into the squad. That's right. I'm back. I am back in the national team. Cap number seven. And on this podcast, we are going to review a lot of action in this episode. All right. As we get ready for another international break here. Um, on the PTB Media Network, and the PTB Media Network's been awfully quiet lately. I'm sure you have noticed as the Parking the Bus podcast has gone on a bit of a hiatus, as has all the other programming here, but this can be the unofficial reboot of the network as I am working on reorganizing the network, replanning, and refocusing exactly uh, how... I'm going to run this and exactly what kind of things we're going to focus on, trying to maximize you know, the, the exposure and trying to maximize the audience and give you content that you actually want to hear. So, um, yes, I appreciate everyone's patience on that front. I did send out a tweet on the PTB Media uh, Twitter handle not that long ago that I would be on hiatus for a while. Um, of course, those of you that follow me on the Mr. Benfica podcast that we've been going We've been going straight through. There has been no hiatus over there, and this season has been hot and heavy. There are matches all the time, it feels like, but now we got an international break. And the last time you heard me talking, Seleção national team was on the episode I just redropped not that long ago, uh, 
about half an hour ago. Uh, from back in September, that's when I was on Benfica After 90 slash Slesson After 90 with the boys over there. Um, and we did a little bit of a Mr. Benfica slash Mr. Portugal slash Benfica After 90 slash Slesson After 90 co-production where we talked about a Benfica... Uh, preseason match and more so talked focused on the Portugal uh, UEFA UEFA Nations League opener, the the victory at home over Croatia, and um, you know things did look good. And in this episode, we will go over the fall the the four games that followed that one all right there are four games to talk about we won't spend too much time on the friendly with spain um we'll we'll kind of glance through some of these games but there is a lot to do touch on we will discuss uh we'll discuss the nations league of course and before that we will check in with the u21s portugal's u21s have a massive week ahead of them three matches in the next 7 days where they will have to they will have to win out really uh, to guarantee themselves a chance at qualifying for the UEFA Under-21 Championship, which was scheduled for next summer, and I'm not exactly sure when it's going to be played now that Euro 2020 was moved to next summer 2021. But that remains to be seen. However, qualification needs to be secured in the next in the next week or so. So that's where we'll start off after the break. But um, after that, we will visit with the women's team as they just... Uh, finished an international window about a week and a half ago and they had two big matches two important matches I should say in that window and they will 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 take a look and see how they're doing in their bid to qualify for their own UEFA championship for the UEFA women's championship also that was scheduled for 2021 I believe is scheduled now for 2022 and then after that we will get into the senior national team but like I said um there, there will be more more programming coming on the PTB Media Network very soon, and I can announce that this Sunday will be the return of the Parking the Bus podcast. I may be going at it solo. I don't know. I haven't worked out the details yet, but there will be a Parking the Bus podcast flagship show of the network this Sunday. It'll return at a normal time, all right, with with video included, of course. And I will have that out for you this week. And so please watch this space and check for that. Also, if you'll remember not that long ago, um, actually I guess it was it was two months ago the last time, um, I, I came on this microphone as Mr. Portugal. We were reviewing Euro 84. We will finish that review, okay? I am in the process of recording those episodes. What I'm going to do is re-release the two episodes that I released way back when because it's been so long, okay? I will re-release them. And then I will release the next two episodes in that mini-series um, covering the four matches that were that memorable, memorable summer for the Portuguese national team, 1984, in a, an absolutely golden memory for so many people. And one of the real, uh, one of the real nostalgic eras, I think, in football and with names like Shalana and, and names like Carlos Manuel and Fernando Gomes and Jaime Pacheco and and Rui Jordão. I can't wait to uh, to get those done. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna record them and then I'm gonna release them in December. 
Okay, so you can look for the rest of that mini-series in the month of December. Also working on some other things for the month of December that I'm not going to announce just yet. But I have some plans for something a little different in the month of December. All right, so that's where we stand here on the PTB Media Network. Going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk U21s here on Mr. Portugal Cap number 7. Uh, I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and you can follow the PTB Media Network on Instagram and on Twitter at PTB underscore media. We'll be right back. And welcome back to cap number seven of Mr. Portugal. So let's check in with the U21s. And the U21s got started last month. All right, they came in to... um, they came into the international window needing results, so they met up last last uh, month. And I have the box scores here. So on Friday, October the 9th, it was Portugal 4, Norway 1, and this was a big victory for Portugal. And it was a day where... Wolverhampton Wanderers were well represented as Pedro Neto with two goals in the first half in the sixth and sixth minute. Uh, Norway's Jorgen Strand Larsen pulled one back in the 34th, but then the former Football Club do Porto player, the former Porto uh, youth product, Vitinha, also known as, as Vitor Preda, I want to say is his last name, but Vitinha is the name he's known as uh, now at Wolves. He Gets a goal in the 69th minute and in the 88th minute. It was Dani Carvalho sealing the three points, sealing the victory as Portugal would pick up three crucial points in that match. And they would then play just a few days later and it would be against Gibraltar. So Portugal would travel a short distance to Gibraltar to to take on uh, the under-21 side, obviously, from the small nation. And Portugal would would do their thing, these U-21s. They'd win 3-0. You'd expect a lot more. You'd expect them to improve their goal difference a little bit better. But the matches with Gibraltar do not count in the overall, the overall uh, classification in trying to qualify. That is because some groups have six teams. Some groups have five so because Portugal is in a group with six, the matches against the last place, sixth place team do not count. That is Gibraltar. So it's it's very likely that, that Rui Jorge was, uh, re- was resting players and rotating the squad a little bit. Uh, it was the, for- the Befica product on loan now at Alaves. Um, Jota with the first with the first goal. He would score in the 16th minute, and then it is the new Sporting sensation. Pedro Gonçalves, the player that is taking the Portuguese league by storm right now. Unbelievable form for this kid, Pedro Gonçalves. He made a name for himself last year at Famalicão. This year at Sporting, he has not lost a beat. He is the leading goal scorer right now in the Liga Nage. He is the highest rated player on goal point and on FOTMOB. Right now, and on Sofa Score as well, I believe, um, in the Portuguese league right now, the highest average rating. He picks up two goals in this one. He scores in the 50th and the 80th. That takes 
Portugal across the finish line um, with the three points. So let's uh, go to the table now in the group. It is it is group number seven in this UEFA qualify U21 qualifying group. And let's take a look. I do have a, we have it here. So the Netherlands U21s are top of the table. They have 24 points from eight matches. They are perfect. 40 goals for three against. And Portugal now second from seven matches with the 18 points. They they have six victories and one defeat, losing only to the Dutch on the road. 22 goals for seven against for a plus minus of 15 goals. Third place now is not going to catch Portugal. Portugal guaranteed of a bare minimum of second place here. And they, um, Norway, that is, has 10 points from eight matches, three victories, one draw, four defeats. Fourth is Belarus. They have eight points. Fifth is Cyprus. They have seven. And like I said, Gibraltar is in last with no points. No goals scored either for Gibraltar and 37 goals surrendered. So Gibraltar right now um, bringing up the rear. Portugal in second place right now, not qualifying automatically. Let's see how they're doing in regards to the table for qualifying um, as a second place team. That's a separate table, and I am bringing that up right now as we speak. So technically right now, Portugal is actually on the outside looking in as a second place team um, in terms of qualifying um, from as a second place team, I should say. UEFA announced that there will be no playoffs for qualification. They will simply take the best five second place teams and add them to the the nine teams, I believe, or they will add them to the, yes, nine teams that had already qualified plus the two hosts making 16 teams and right now Portugal sixth in terms of second place teams however I did say technically that is because Portugal have two matches in hand on some teams and even three in hand on another because remember Portugal's two matches against Gibraltar do not count so they have these two matches coming up this week and all they really need to do is take care of business in one of them and they'll be in they will have qualified for the tournament so that that is a good a good thing um as we look here uh France right now the best ranked second place team they have 18 points from seven matches um Poland are the second best they have 14 points from eight matches while Belgium are next with 13 points, as is Romania with 13 points, and the Republic of Ireland also 13 points from seven matches. Now, remember I said before that Portugal has 18 points from from seven matches. However, again, the two against Gibraltar do not count, so they've only got five matches right now counting, and therefore um, Portugal have 12 points so if they win one of these two matches, they'll they'll jump to 15 points, and that'll put them in second place out of all out of all second place teams. That'll move them right up to the top, and that will guarantee them a spot in the UEFA Under 21 Championship. So Portugal actually in a pretty good spot. Um, 
I should have looked at this before I started recording. I should have looked at that piece of it because uh, they are a lot closer to qualifying than I, than I realized. And I guess it's a little less crucial of a week. But regardless, they have to go out. They have to get a victory uh, either against Belarus or against the Netherlands. And uh, they have three matches, actually. So they have they have Belarus, Cyprus, and the Netherlands. They'll play Belarus on the 12th. Cyprus on the 15th and the Netherlands on the 18th. Let's take a look now at the roster that will be representing Portugal at the under 21 matches, the under 21 level, excuse me, in these three matches. Okay, the goalkeepers, there's three of them. Diogo Costa, the Porto backup. João Virginia, who who is was the goalkeeper for this generation when they were at the under 20 World Cup. And Sporting backup goalkeeper Luigi Maximiniano. This is a good group of goalkeepers. Um, this Portugal team is very, very strong. Their defenders, Diogo Leite, Diogo Queiroz, Diogo Dalo of now AC Milan. Um, both Diogo Leite and Diogo Queiroz are Porto products that have been offloaned. Nuno Mendes is also in there. Pedro Pereira, a former Benfica defender Thierry Correa former sporting player Thiago Jalo now making his now making his uh wages at Lille and Benfica Loney or off Loney Tomas Tavares is also in there as a defender in midfield Sporting's Daniel Bragança uh Fabio Vieira Benfica off Loney Florentine Luiz currently at Monaco, he's in there in the midfield, as is another Benfica off loanee. It is Jetson Fernandes and João Mario. No, not that João Mario, the other one. <laughs> he is in there. And Pedro Gonçalves, as we said, the most informed player right now in the Portuguese league. Pedro Gonçalves and Vitor Ferreira, who is all, who we know as Vitinha. And then the strikers, you have Dan, Danny Mota, Gonçalo Ramos, the Benfica player, João Felipe, who we know better as Jota, Joelson Fernandes, and Rafael Leon. This is a very, very strong Portuguese U21 side. Fully expect them to take care of business and book their ticket to the final tournament. Also, speaking of final tournaments, since we are here, let's talk about the women's national team for a minute and about a week and a half to two weeks ago there was an international break for women's football and Portugal had two very important matches against the same team in the same space of time it was first an away match at Cyprus and then a home match at Cyprus let's talk a little bit about Portugal's women's national team as they try to qualify for Euro 2021 I'm going to bring up the match reports here Portugal would travel first to Cyprus. They would play at the Ike Arena in Nicosia. Friday, October the 23rd, would come out and they would win, like I said, 3-0 on the road in Cyprus. Goals from Claudia Neto, Diana Silva, and Ana Capeta. They would then return home to play the same Cyprus team just four days later, Tuesday, October the 27th. And it was on an own goal from Chara Charambulus that would seal the three points for Portugal. A very, very important three points. And I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that they're not going to be happy with this result, having beaten having beaten Cyprus on the road 
you know, 3-0 and then coming home and struggling at the Estadio Antonio Coimbra da Mota in Estoril. Almost not able to get the three points. These were three crucial points if Portugal wants to advance to the final stages. It's a long shot, but they've been there before. They were there a few years ago. Um, if they want to be there again, they're going to have to pull off a big result somewhere. So right now, the group stands as as follows. Okay, and we are, of course, in we are in Group E. Okay, in this qualification uh, round, and in Group E, it is Finland who are top of the group with four victories, one draw. All right, they have thirteen points from five matches. Portugal are second right now, three victories, one defeat, or one draw as well, ten points. So they yet to lose. However, Portugal have played the you could say the bottom dwellers so far, having played against Albania and Cyprus, they have ten points. Now they're gonna play the real the real top teams. Portugal will now play against Scotland in the next match. Scotland are third with nine points. Remember Scotland is a side that was in the Women's World Cup just a year or two years ago now in twenty nine a year ago in twenty nineteen. They were a, a side that did qualify for that World Cup. And then out of question now, in fourth place is Albania with three points. Cyprus with no points. And actually, Portugal Portugal picked up the draw against Finland, the first place Finland team. It looks like as they are the only two teams in the group with a draw. So I take that back. Portugal has actually pulled off a big result so far in depending how they do against Scotland here in the next in the next match day uh will probably seal the fate whether or not they travel to the European Championships when they are finally held now the next match for Scot for Portugal is going to be at home to Scotland on November the 27th in just a couple of weeks and then 4 days later December the 1st Portugal will play at home again against Albania and then the last two matches in qualifying have yet to be scheduled as those will take place in 2021. So we're gonna, we are going to hope for the best here and hope to get Portugal's women's team back to a major tournament, back to the European Championships to represent the country and the growing, growing community of women's football and women's football fans, which I am proud to include myself as a fan of Portuguese women's football. Uh, my listeners of Mr. Benfica know how closely I follow Benfica's women's team and how diehard of a, a supporter I am of theirs. And same goes for the Portugal national team. I want to see it grow. I want to see them in the big stages, in the big tournaments, and representing all of us. So uh, best wishes to the women's team when we when we get there to those next set of matches later in the month. All right, going to take another break here, our final break on this episode of Mr. Portugal. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the men's senior team, of course. It's the main event. It is... Um, it is the we're getting to the finish line now of the group stage in the UEFA Nations League. Portugal trying to defend its title. Big one coming up. Two actually two big matches. We got the two World Cup finalists uh, left to play in the next two match days. All right, we'll be right back. I am the Mister Mike Agustinu. Again, follow the PTB Media Network on Instagram and on Twitter at PTB underscore Media. 
And welcome back for this final segment of this episode of Mr. Portugal. And we're talking about the senior men's national team now. We've got four matches to talk about in the previous, well, in the previous two months, basically, since you heard from me back on uh, that co-production, that co-episode. And we're going to, so we're going to, we're going to start, we're going to go back to Tuesday, September the 8th. And we are at the Friends Arena in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, sorry, in Solna, Sweden, to be exact. And it is Portugal taking on Sweden. Let's go through the 22 that made up the lineups for uh, this match, starting with the home side, the Swedes. And it was Robin Olsen in goal with Emil Kraft, Philippe Hellander, and Pontius Janssen in, de- in defense. Ludwig Augustinsson is the left back in a 4-4-2. The four across the midfield for Sweden. On the right, you had Dehan Kulusevski. The pair in midfield was Christopher Olsen and Gustav Svensson. And, of course, uh, the RB Leipzig uh, standout, Emil Forsberg, is the left-sided midfielder. Up front, you had the strike tandem of Alexander Izak and Marcus Berg, the captain. Fernando Santos would line up the Portuguese team as follows. He went with Anthony Lopes in this one in goal in a 4-3-3. And he would play with João Cancelo, the Manchester City man, as the right back. Ruben Dias and Pep were the center back pairing with Rafael Guerreiro as the left back. The three in midfield on that night were Bruno Fernandes, Danilo Pereira, and João Moutinho. And the trio of attack in this one. João Félix was playing in the striker role with Bernardo Silva to his left and Cristiano Ronaldo to his right. And as you know, they, they change interchangeably. It's like a three-man weave and attack. But this is the way at least the lineup sheet showed them starting the match. And the big story of this one was, of course... The Cristiano Ronaldo show. That's right. Cristiano Ronaldo. CR7. The GOAT. The best in the world. The greatest. Would score two more. And add two more to his international tally. And it would take him past the century mark. Over 100 goals. Only the second player in the history of football. To score 100 international goals. Of course, the previous... um, or I should say the only other 100-goal scorer was Iran's Ali Daye. And Ali Daye uh, retired with a total of 109 goals in 2006. So that is now the target for Cristiano Ronaldo. And he is eight, he is only eight goals away from being fo- world football's all-time leading goal scorer internationally. It was a fantastic night for him. Of course, one of the the sticking points was Gustav Svensson being sent off for two yellow cards in the first half, no less. And that, and then um, the ensuing free kick that sent off Svensson was Ronaldo's first goal. And the commentator on ESPN, I think it was Jaime Moreno. Uh, sorry, Alejandro Moreno was was talking about how he never scores free kicks anymore, and he doesn't know why he takes them. And then he buried it. And um, 
In the second half, he would score one on an assist from João Félix. We can quickly go through the player ratings for Portugal. Uh, Anthony Lopes had a 7.1, João Cancelo 7.7, Ruben Dias 7.3, Pep 7.1, Rafa Guerreiro 7.9, and then the midfielders Danilo 7.3, Bruno Fernandes 8.0, João Moutinho 7.0, Bernardo Silva 7.0, João Félix 7.7, and Cristiano Ronaldo 9.1 according to FOTMOB. And for the substitutes goes Salugedj 6.8, Ruben Nevs 6.1, and Diogo Jota got a, got a small run in in the final 10 minutes. No rating for him. Uh, statistically, Portugal dominant 67% of possession, 21 total shots to 8, 17 chances created to 5. It's, it's, it's just Portugal winning every statistical category you can imagine 594 accurate passes to 256 um 327 of those accurate passes coming in the opponent's uh half of the field and portugal also winning the dual battle 43 to 42 so they weren't outworked either and portugal finished that first international break atop of the atop of the nations league the Nations League, League A, Group 3. All right, level on points with France, but ahead on goal difference. So we move to the next pair of matches. We move to the October set of matches. Portugal would have a uneventful nil-nil draw with Spain, although I, I liked this match, believe it or not, because I thought defensively Portugal were very, very good in this match, and this is what I was looking for, especially being just days before taking on France at the Stade de France. And I thought that this was a good opportunity for Portugal to actually have somebody that can keep the ball against them. Okay, I said it in uh, in the episode. It's now it's now in the feed as episode 6 is cap 6, but I said it in the in the co-production with the BA90 guys that uh, there's not many teams that are going to take the ball from Portugal. Portugal are going to have the ball a lot. When your midfield consists of Bruno Fernandes and you have players like like uh, Bernardo Silva and João Félix and even uh, João Moutinho, who's very good in keeping possession, you have a very very good team, and it's going to be hard. Not many teams out there are going to be able to take the ball from Portugal. A lot of them are going to have to pack it in and try to break it, try to break Portugal down, try to. Uh, Shut them down, I should say, with low-lying blocks and with, uh, you know, um, a deep line of confrontation. But against Spain here, it was good because they came out Portugal and Portugal got a chance to really work on the defensive side of the game. All in all, I I liked the performance, even though it was a nil-nil. Um, we moved to when to Sunday, October the eleventh, Stade de France. This game was on e- ABC here in the United States, and it was. Portugal and France. Let's go through the lineups. A rematch of the 2016 UEFA Euro Championship match, of course, in the same stadium and everything. The French lined up with Hugo Lloris in goal. They're four across the back, and they're four, three, one, two for the manager, Didier Deschamps. They went with Benjamin Pavard, uh, Rafael Varane, Presnel Kimpembe and Lucas Hernandez as the four across the back. The midfield trio was Adrian Rabio, 
N'Golo Kante and Paul Pogba. A little bit of a different midfield as Adrian Rabio starts to uh, work his way into this French, into Les Bleus, into this uh, national team. And then they had Antoine Griezmann playing as a traditional number 10 behind the two strikers between the midfielders and the strikers, essentially. And in front of Griezmann, it was Kylian Mbappé and Olivier Giroud. And Portugal would counter that with the return of Rui Patricio in goal. The right back was Nelson Semedo on the night. The center back pairing Ruben Dias and Pep. And Rafael Guerreiro returns at left back. A double pivot in in a in or even a double holding midfield, if you want to be really honest. It was two holding mids for Fernando Santos in this one. William Carvalho playing next to Danilo with Bruno Fernandes completing the triangle in front of them. And they're playing behind the attack trio of Bernardo Silva, Cristiano Ronaldo, and João Félix. And the match would go to a nil-nil draw. This was a very good result for Portugal. And you could see that... um, Fernando Santos has taken this competition more serious than pretty much any other team he's playing because other teams are trying to to try out new players. And, and you know, Fernando Santos ain't having any of that. He is going with a double-holding midfield, and he is protecting his back four, and he is not letting France uh, get on the, on the score sheet knowing Portugal had the superior goal difference. Portugal wants to win this competition. You can see it. They want to get back. They want to successfully defend it. That's how I think this competition should be approached. I don't think this is... This is not a friendly competition. This is an official competition that has been designated as such, which means that club teams have to release players for these matches. Therefore, go for it. Okay, and anytime you can win a trophy, you should be going for it. I mean... Especially if you're Portugal, your window to to win trophies is very very small. Okay, anybody's window, unless you're, and I can't even say unless you're Brazil because Brazil has been on a drought now for quite some time. They yeah they did just win the Copa America, but from winning that last Copa America to when they won their previous title, which was the World Cup in 2002, was a long 17 year wait for that for that trophy, and. You know, it's 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 just a window of time, and Portugal right now have such a deep squad and have such a talent pool to pick from. They need to make the most of this time that they have these guys, and they need to really fight for every match and fight for every trophy they possibly can, whether it's Nations League, Euro, or World Cup. Okay, we know that the Cristiano Ronaldo uh, time is coming, is winding down, but you know what? He's still very, very serviceable in this role. This is not Ronaldo plus 10. Ronaldo is simply a piece of the team. However, um, I do think, and I guess I'll talk about this more um, in a little, in in a few moments when we talk about the upcoming matches, but. I do think that Diogo Jota right now is the most on-form player in this team. As as I look ahead to the matches coming up, I I personally expect to see Diogo Jota in the place of Bernardo Silva for these matches. Right now, he is the hot foot. He is the one you got to go with. He is playing very well at Liverpool. All right, and we'll get to the next match. Um, we'll get to the the second Sweden match in just a second, and we'll hear that name again, Diogo Jota. But 
Cristiano Ronaldo, the captain, and he's really just a member of the team, and, it, and I'm sure he's loving his football this way. He's being asked to do less. He's being able to hang around the area. He's being able to um, get good goal-scoring opportunities and not having to feel like he has to carry the other 10 players on his back. This is a very deep strong Portugal side. This is a much better side than the one that won the 2016 European Championship. I don't doubt that for a moment. I think I think that's almost a fairly consensus um consensus feeling. The only different thing is that the the luck was on the side of of that team in 2016 and will they be lucky enough again to raise another trophy? Time's going to tell. But a very good result at the end of the day. Nil-nil in France. And we'll quickly go on to the third match of that international break. And it was Portugal hosting Sweden at the José Alvalade in front of, I believe, 5,000 fans possibly. I could be wrong. might have been 2,500 um, lineups in this one. Starting with Sweden again. Olsen in goal. Lustig is in at right back. That's a change from the previous match. Pontus Janssen is partnering now with former Benfica defender, current Manchester United defender Victor Lindelof in the center of defense. Pierre Bengston is the left back. Four across the midfield, you've got Dejan Kulusevski again. You've got Christopher Olsen and Albin Ekdal is the, is in for, uh, for Svensson who had been sent off in the earlier match um, in the previous month. And Victor Kleisen is is the left-sided midfielder, while Robin Quaison partners with the captain, Marcus Berg. Up front, Portugal would line up in another 4-4-3, and it's Rui Patricio. Across the back, it's João Cancelo, Pep Rubendias, and Rafael Guerreiro. Again, double pivot in midfield as it's William Carvalho and Danilo playing behind Bruno Fernandes. And Cristiano Ronaldo was out of this match. If you remember, what happened was Cristiano tested positive for COVID-19 in between these two matches and was forced to leave the team. And, um, of course, all of the controversy that spurned out from that situation and his return to Italy and then his subsequent something like 19 consecutive positive tests despite not showing any symptoms and um if you listen to me on mr benfica you already know how i feel about this this covid thing and where i stand on it so i'm not going to get into that but cristiano ronaldo not available in this one but no problem because in comes diogo jota and he partners with João felix and bernardo silva and it is all portugal in this one as we get We get a goal from uh, Bernardo Silva is the first one to get on the board. In the 21st minute, he would score on an assist from Diogo Jota. And then in the 44th, just before halftime, Diogo Jota gets on the end of a ball from João Cancelo. It's 2-0 to Portugal before halftime. Uh Fernando Santos will make some substitutions in the second half. But before that, Diogo Jota will make it 3-0. He'll pick up his second goal. So two goals and an assist for Diogo Jota in this match. And then Fernando Santos brings on Andres Silva for Bernardo Silva. Daniel Polens comes on 
for João Félix, and João Moutinho replaces William Carvalho. And then later in the match, the final closing moments, we got Rafa Silva coming in for Diogo Jota, and Renato Sanchez replacing Bruno Fernandes. Portugal see it out. The, it it was it was five thousand in the in attendance that night at the Jose Alvalade, and we'll look at the stats real quick as it was another dominant performance by Portugal. Although they did not dominate in possession in this one, the Swedes possessed more than they did at home, as Portugal had forty nine point three percent of the possession to fifty point seven. Total shots though, Portugal with seventeen. Sweden with eight chances created. Portugal 16, Sweden 6. Big chances. Portugal 5, Sweden none. Accurate passes were almost even though 407 for Portugal, 401 for Sweden. And even though the score was more lopsided, Sweden did much better statistically. Um, Portugal of those 407 uh, those 407 accurate passes, 187 were in the opposition's half, 220 in their own half, and um, Portugal winning the duels by a larger margin in this one. Portugal with 52 duels, one to 46. Portugal working harder, but it turns out that they they finished better, they were more efficient, and they ended up with three goals. And Portugal win the match and stay top of the table. Let's look at the table as it stands right now on the eve of these final matches. Now, of course, by the time you hear this podcast, likely Portugal will have already played their friendly against Andorra, which they're going to play now on two, on Wednesday, November the 11th. It's a friendly. I'm not really going to be paying too much. I'm going to watch it because we're going to get to see some players we don't see as often, but I'm not really too... Too focused on what comes out of that match. That's just a friendly that was arranged that has to be played. So UEFA inserted a third match in all of these these international breaks. Portugal leads the group with 10 points, uh, a plus 8 goal difference, while France also on 10 points has a plus 4 goal difference. Portugal with 9 goals scored, 1 allowed. France 7 scored, 3 allowed. Croatia are third right now on three points and in the relegation spot. Remember, the bottom team gets relegated to League B. It's Sweden right now in the relegation spot with no points, four matches, four defeats, only one goal and eight uh, conceded. So that that wraps up the October matches of uh, the UEFA Nations League. Let's take a look at what Portugal's got coming into this final Stanza of matches in this competition. I'm going to pull up the call-up list as we speak. And starting with the goalkeepers, you have Rui Patricio back. He's from Wolverhampton Wanderers. Leon's Anthony Lopes is also back. And so is Granada's Rui Silva. The defenders, Rafael Guerreiro of Borussia Dortmund, José Font of Lille. The Manchester City duo of Ruben Dias and João Cancelo. Wolverhampton Wanderers' new signing. Nelson Semedo is back. Napoli's Mario Rui is there. Ruben Semedo of Olympiacos is there. And du- Domingos Duarte of Granada uh, has been called in. He's 25 years old, a defender, and he may have an opportunity to make his first international uh, appearance. I'll look for him in the Andorra friendly, no doubt. In midfield, um, João Moutinho brings his 126 caps in. Of course, he's from Wolverhampton Wanderers as well. 
William Carvalho of Real Betis, Bernardo Silva of Manchester City, Danilo Pereira now at PSG, Bruno Fernandes of Manchester United, Renato Sanchez of Lille, who just had a, a phenomenal match where the Italian press was calling him Clarence Seedorf uh, or a resemblance of Clarence Seedorf for the performance he put in for Lille against AC Milan in the Europa League just a few days back. Another Wolves player. Wolves heavily represented, as you would imagine, in this team. The most represented of all teams. It's Ruben Neves. And then Porto's Sergio Oliveira is in there. And the attackers, uh, of course, the captain, Cristiano Ronaldo, 167 caps, 101 goals from Juventus. Uh, he's going to be joined by João Félix of Atlético Madrid. Diogo Jota of Liverpool. Francisco Trincão is back in the side. Uh, he's got three caps from Barcelona. And then we got Paulinho from Sporting Braga. No caps. 28 years old. Late in his career. Uh, he's kind of a late bloomer, but a well-deserved, a very, very well-deserved call-up for Paulinho. I'm hoping to see him against Andorra tomorrow. Definitely. And another Wolves uh, standout. Pedro Neto has been promoted from the U21s. He's 20 years old. He's going to be looking for his first cap as well. And, of course, he is also from Wolverhampton Wanderers. That is the side that will approach these three matches in this international break. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is just about it for this episode. Um, Portugal will play... On the 11th, as we said, against Andorra, they will play November the 14th at the Stadio de Luz versus France in that all-important match, which will likely decide who goes to the Final Four of this UEFA Nations League. If Portugal can win, they will clinch the spot in an opportunity to defend their title. However, if Portugal can just not lose, they can then clinch their, their spot with a victory on the road in Croatia on November the 17th. All right. Also, during this international break, Portugal will find out who their first opponent of Euro 2020 will be as that kicks off on June the 15th in Budapest. Um, and in this window, the final UEFA Nations League matches of the previous edition, the qualifiers now, the Euro qualifiers that are achieved through the Nations League will be played. So Portugal will either play Hungary who are playing against Iceland. If Hungary win, Portugal will play Hungary in the first match. In Hungary, it'll be tough. Portugal will have the unprecedented um, challenge of playing two host nations in the same group this summer. They'll have to play Germany and Hungary um, if Hungary win this playoff. So I'm going to be rooting for Iceland just because that's incredibly tough to have to play two host nations. And Hungary gave Portugal all they could handle four years ago. In France, um, so if Iceland beat Hungary, Iceland does not go into Portugal's group. So the only reason uh, Hungary would be placed in Portugal's group is because the group is being played in Hungary. So if if Iceland beat Hungary, Portugal will play the winner of Georgia and Northern Macedonia. Obviously, a at least on paper a better a better opponent to open up against, or a more favorable opponent but you know these major tournaments have a way of surprising as well so who knows perhaps um 
perhaps it's best for Portugal to just have the hardest path possible. We will have to wait and see, won't we? All right, thank you for joining me for this episode. I will be back, I'm thinking, Saturday night sometime after the France match, maybe Sunday afternoon at the latest, to recap um, the France match and maybe have a real quick a real quick glance at the Andorra match. Also, I'll recap the U21s. I'll uh, have some at least some statistical information and uh, results to report on the U21s and their matches later this week. All right, thank you for joining me. Don't forget to follow the PTB Media Network on Instagram and on Twitter at PTB underscore media. And we'll be back on Saturday. And don't forget this Sunday, the return. It'll be episode 15. It'll be the return of Parking the Bus. Thank you again. This has been the Mr. Mike Augustine for the PTB Media Network. Signing off as Mr. Portugal. Now, Mike the Gaita is going to take us home with Pouquinho Porta. Pouquinho Porta. Take it away, Mike. Só tenho uma coisa para dizer aos franceses. Vocês são os campeões das críticas! E nós vamos ser os campeões da Europa!
Nós tínhamos muita esperança E no jogo não falhamos Portugal estava confiante E o europeu ganhamos Pouco importa, pouco importa Se jogamos bem ou mal Chegamos a levar a taça Para nosso Portugal Pouco importa, pouco importa Se jogamos bem ou mal Chegamos a levar a taça Para nosso Portugal Pouco importa, pouco importa Se jogamos bem ou mal Chegamos a levar a taça Para nosso Portugal Pouco importa, pouco importa Se jogamos bem ou mal Chegamos a levar a taça Para nosso Portugal Será vivo, 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 será vivo